There's a few things I want you to think about starting 2023. Because look, nobody, um, how many of you set goals already? Anybody? Uh, you overachievers. Um, the, here's what I figured out. I have yet in all of my effort um, been unsuccessful at changing my whole personality. I've tweaked it. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. Not even close. Much more irresponsible. Um, I'm not the person I was 20 years ago, but yet I am. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of me that is still the same. And there's a lot of me that's not the same anymore. And, and what I think we do at the beginning of the year is we tend to want to throw the whole thing out sometimes. Like, I just need to, I need to, like, we want to morph into somebody else that we're not. And the truth of the matter is nobody does that. When God gives us a new start, he doesn't erase your personality. He gives you a new start with the same personality. Amen. So I want to talk about maximizing and minimizing things in your life. Because so oftentimes we get caught up in like, you got to stop this and start this and, and it's just overwhelming. So what are the things that I want to do less of and what are the things that I want to do more of? And maybe have that conversation. Can we do that today? Are you up for it? All right, we're going to read from Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to read a decent amount here. I like the story. And you're just going to have to... Like it with me. Exodus chapter 3. Why don't you stand to your feet in honor of the word? We do this every Sunday here. Say amen if you're ready. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame a fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, and Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold... The cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression from w- with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, who is his, what is his name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me saying that I've, I've observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters and you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tails. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put it back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter. If they will not believe these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not there Aaron? Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff, which you shall do the signs. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, you give us these times of year to reflect and to anticipate. To look back on what has happened, but look forward on what might be possible. And Lord, the degree of what might be possible in our eyes has a lot to do with how we view you. So we ask you to help us with that this morning. 
Help us to minimize some things and maximize some others. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. According to Exodus chapter 12, the nation of Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. It's a long time. There was more Israelites that only knew slavery than knew anything else. That's all they knew. They had been in captivity for generation after generation after generation. This was their lifestyle. This was their, this was how they operated. This was all they knew. And so God had seen their affliction. He'd heard their prayers. And on a seemingly ordinary day, of keeping sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. Moses, who had, if you watch the Prince of Egypt, you found out that he grew up in Egypt and had been a bit in exile for about 40 years. Moses is keeping his father-in-law's sheep, moving a herd to the base of a mountain called Mount Horeb. And it's a normal day. Nothing out of the ordinary, normal day. And Moses turns around and sees a bush on fire. And then I don't know how many times he's got to look at it, but he keeps glancing over at it and realizes that it's not being consumed, that something weird is happening. So he goes over to investigate this brush fire. And when he gets close enough to it, he hears a voice that says, don't come any closer. Don't come any closer. The ground you're standing on is holy. Matter of fact, take off your shoes. Now, I want to start out this morning by saying, listen, some of us, um, some of us want God to, uh, you know, to orchestrate something big in our lives. Don't, anybody, anybody ever thought about that? Lord, if you could do something big in my life, just do something crazy, do something out of the ordinary, do something, man, do something neat. I'm here to tell you this morning that it might be tomorrow, if you don't work tomorrow, maybe Tuesday doing something normal. We always want the, um, we always want God to set it up for us, something big and extravagant. But Moses, truthfully, was herding, herding sheep. Just woke up the same way he'd always woken up, doing the same thing he had always done. And he just happened to glance over and see something abnormal in a normal day. He walked over to look at it, and then he hears a voice from God. I say all that to say this, whatever your daily routine is could already have a holy spot in it. Whatever your daily routine is, because there's no indication that Moses had ever designated that bush is holy or that part of the desert is holy or whatever. He, he had never designated anything. He's just walking around with sheep. Sheep walk where sheep walk. And he's just following them around and leading them to different places. So he decided to lead them over to this place. And here's... Here's an insignificant bush on fire on an insignificant day with some insignificant sheep and a man who had deemed himself insignificant. Except God had a plan for him. So I don't know what 2022 was like. It might have been, been full of insignificance for you. But know that, know that this week in the office could be this week at home, this week, this week driving the car. If, God, if you're driving the car, don't, 
don't, um, don't take your shoes off. It'd be strange. It might wreck. But just know that at some point in time in your ordinary day, walking through your ordinary routine, doing your ordinary thing, that God could all of a sudden make a spot in that day holy. But it requires us paying attention. <laughs> I wonder how many fires we pass every day because we don't look back. Think about it. If Moses had a glance at the bush once and went, oh, it's a bush on fire, whatever. Let's keep moving. Just keep pushing on, keep pushing on. It's an ordinary day, bush on fire, doesn't matter. Keep moving. But he, he, he looked back and they had to keep looking. They had to keep looking to realize that, wait a second, how long does it have to burn before you realize it's burning and not being consumed? That's not 30 seconds. He's got to keep looking at it. So what I would like you to do is that some of the dumpster fires in your life, we don't have bush fires anymore. We got dumpster fires. And some of you put couches in them because you're from Morgantown. Maybe you need to stop and look at the dumpster fire every now and then. And maybe God's trying to talk to you through the fire. Amen. All right. Moses is living an isolated life away from Egypt for the past 40 years. That's important to understand. It had been discovered that he had killed an Egyptian. He was an Israelite. We'll get into that in a second but he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And he became an adult and realized his lineage and was taking up for an Israelite who was being mistreated by an Egyptian. He kills the Egyptian. The trouble is the Israelites look at him as an Egyptian. So the next time he shows up to a quarrel, he, he, they, they say, hey, you're going to kill one of us like you did that Egyptian? And he realizes, oh, the word's gotten out. So he flees. Now, 40 years later, 40 years, some of you have given up on some things. Don't give up on them yet. 40 years later, he was now having an encounter with God. And by the way, we're going to find out it's the encounter with the same God that saved him right after he was born. 40 years later, he's now having an encounter with God. So I want to say to you this morning, and you've heard me say this a bunch, God has positioned you. As monotonous as your life right now might be, as consumed, if you've got toddlers, as consumed and nerve-wracking. I just, well, I was looking through our picture albums. Uh, I was actually even looking through them this morning. And I was like, we made it. We had three kids, four and a half and under, right? Yeah. And, uh, and one day a week they stayed with me. And they're all still alive. So I just kept flipping through these pictures of the kids when they were little and, and all the things that we, you know, took pictures of. And I'm like, oh, man, I, now I remember that. And that's neat. And, and, uh, but those are days that sometimes you didn't know if you were all going to make it. And then you get in the teenage years. I know we're going to pray about the first prayer night. <laughs> then you get in the teenage years, and I remember that we had three. 
And so Beth would take them one way, and I would take some of them the other way. And because they played sports and they did other things, and, and so we're just driving around all over the place. How do we get them here? How do we get them there? Oh, I'll drop this one off here, and then I'll take this one here, and you take that one there. And, and you're, just, you're just going through the day. You're just going, 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 going. And, and it feels like it's never going to end. The hamster wheel is going in the living room, and both of you are just, you're like, how am I still gaining weight? I don't understand. So it's because we stopped at McDonald's every time we got in the car. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> so you rarely take time. Listen to me if you've got teenagers. You rarely take time to think God is positioning me for something great. There's no chance that Moses, after he had gone to the backside of the desert with his father-in-law, that, that he was waking up every morning, God is positioning me. He wasn't doing those Instagram self-help talks. Like, this is my best life. This is what health looks like. He was a beat man. Just doing the everyday, ordinary thing. Just making it happen. But God positioned him. Matter of fact, he positioned him so well that he positioned him right up against the mountain. Do you know the Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, had not been called the mountain of God before this moment? God would hand the Ten Commandments down to him from this mountain. God God would do miraculous things from this mountain. God had not only positioned him, God said, not only only did did you get in a spot 40 years later, not only did I put you in the perfect scenario to go talk, lead the people out, now I've positioned you unbeknownst to you, I had you walk the sheep right up to the mountain where you'd meet me. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If, you um, if you're here this morning on the rat race, on the hamster wheel, on the, on the you just, you're just, you just don't know which ends up, ain't got any sleep, God is positioning you. He's positioning you. There's things that Beth and I never realized 20 years ago that could ever happen, but he positioned us. Hey, listen, some of those, some of those friends, remember, remember I told you about the soccer? You just drive to soccer games till your eyes bleed. You just keep driving and keep driving, keep driving and keep driving. And, and God positioned some of those people are wonderful friends of ours today. I've learned so much from some of those people. Something seemingly mundane positioned Beth and I for people to invest in our lives. And we didn't even know what was happening. God positioned Moses in such a miraculous way that it's, that it's almost unbelievable. Listen to this. If you remember all the way back, some of you probably do, all the way back to Exodus chapter 1, Moses did not have a normal childhood. Anybody remember that story? Anybody watch the movie? Exodus chapter 1 verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile. Now, just in case you think that was for swimming lessons. No, the Israelites were growing in such a manner in Egypt that they started getting nervous about their population size. So this was a population control measure. They would let the Hebrew girls live because they could, because they could control the population with them. But every boy, they didn't want the boys to make it and rise up. So every boy, they would then throw into the Nile. 
Sounds like a precursor to when Jesus was born, doesn't it? When Herod finds out every child, every male child of a certain age, he has them all slaughtered. Except Moses, Moses' mother saw something in him. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, first of all, there is no mother alive that has never not looked at her son and went, that's a fine child. When she, she hid him for three months, so he's three months old, and I don't know, I think boy cries sound a lot like girl cries when they're three months old. Is that true? I never went, ah, baby's crying, that's a boy. He's not like, (laughs) what it means is she didn't take him out of the house. She wasn't taking him to the neighbors and going, look how good looking this boy is. She hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, when everybody started asking, where's the baby? She took him, she took from him a basket made of bulrush and dabbed it with Bitumen and pitch, she made it, this basket waterproof. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to, the, to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman. And she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. And she took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went, called the child's mother. This would be a good movie. (laughs) Called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. She's getting paid to nurse her own kid. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. God spared Moses in the most dramatic way you could ever imagine. His his mom literally makes a waterproof basket boat, sticks the baby down in the basket, and floats him, and the sister stands back and thinks, man, They had to know where Pharaoh's daughter and everybody bathed, all the people with money. They put him in the river and they can watch him go down. Come on, Lord, let him pick him up. Let him pick him up. Let him pick him up. Grab the basket. Whoa, there's a baby in it. And there's a decision made. Hey, let's keep it. Matter of fact, go find a Hebrew woman who can nurse this baby. They pick Moses' own mother to nurse the baby. And then Moses grows up as one of Pharaoh's kids. Look at your neighbor and say, positioned. Positioned. Now, not for the reasons you might think, oh, you know, modern day times, Moses would have drove a Ferrari because he was royalty. Not stuff like that. Because growing up there didn't pan out that well for Moses. He ends up running away anyway. Here's what you need to think about. God never saves us from something without saving us to something. 
You might want to write that down if you do not have a piece of paper right in your hand. He never saves us from something without saving us to something. So you have to think all the way back to Moses. Oh, it just happened that he, his mom thought he was a cute kid and decided to hide him and then put him in a basket and take a, take a chance, rolling the dice, sending him down the river to, to, see, to see if somebody would pick him up. And it worked. That's not because his mother had a great scheme or plan. It's because it was God's will to spare Moses. And sometimes our stories are like that where we look back and we go, how did I make it? The town you grew up, the family you came from, the hardships you walked through, all those things. How did I make it? How did I make it? How did this happen? How did I get to where I am now? How did God save me from all that mess? And what you find out is a long time after he saved him from that, you find out, oh, this is what he saved him for. This is what he saved him for. So you have what he saved him from at the beginning, and then you move to what he saved him for at the end. So my word to you in 2023 is figure out if he saved you from something, it means means he saved you for something. Not just to wake up every day and do the same thing over and over again, but he saved you for a purpose. Amen? I think I've told you this story before. I was, I was born dead. No joking. All jokes aside, 1976, Dover, Delaware Air Force Base, born um, 25 minutes with no oxygen. Uh, I can hold my breath a long time. I can hold it about 30 seconds now. Wow, that New Year's food got me. And so my parents never let me forget that. They never let me forget it. I wrecked a car one time when I was 16, and my mom came out. I almost lost you once. I'm like, dude, mom, I've heard that before. Like, I'm 16, man. I'm going to drive a car fast. I don't even remember being dead. It wasn't shocking to me. But that that was how they told they told I was born a Air Force base that told my parents I would have brain damage and just had to figure out, you just had to wait and figure out how much they weren't doing brain scans back then. Just had to wait and figure out how much. And so, so fast forward. What did he save you from? What did he spare your life for? What did he, what did he rescue you from? What did, what did he, what is it in your past that he delivered you from? See, God never does that. He just doesn't do it willy-nilly. He does it because there's a purpose over here. There's a purpose. If he saves you from something, it's because he saved you for something. He saved you to something. There's a calling on your life now. There's 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 a plan that has been staked out for you. And just like God orchestrating Moses to walk up to the, mount, to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, even before it had got the name mountain of God, even, even God orchestrating the sheep in Moses. Hey, walk up this way. He's showing Moses, listen, I've brought you all this way for a reason. And I want you to think about it that way in 2023 with a new year. Why did he spare me? So here's what I want you to understand right now. Your position 
is much more important than your circumstances. You're saying, now you're just stringing stupid words together that don't make any sense. Your position is much more important than your circumstances. Let me clarify it like this. Your position is more important than your circumstances. Moses' circumstances did not look amazing, but all of a sudden his position was. Moses' circumstances did not look that great. He was herding somebody else's sheep for 40 years on the backside of the desert, and he didn't have a lot of prospects. He wasn't moving up the chain until somebody died, namely his father-in-law. I know some of you are praying for that, but that's not right. Listen, his circumstances weren't great, but all of a sudden he was made aware of his position. Take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. What do you mean? In the middle of these circumstances, God came and visited me? Now all of a sudden, hey, this is Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Oh, I didn't realize I was in this position. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize you had orchestrated me to get it. My, my circumstances just look normal. My circumstances just look, just look just like every other day. My circumstances are just what they were. It's been the same job, the same thing, same kids, same everything, same car, same, it, nothing changes. And all of a sudden you realize my position has changed. Now it's seemingly in the middle of the night, it seems like God just made everything come together. Now all of a sudden Moses is standing on holy ground by the mountain of God. And you're like, whoa! There wasn't a lot of circumstantial change up to that point with Moses. So what I need you to understand is what we argue with God about is our circumstances and we should be begging him to position us. We say, God, I'll make it easier for me. Come on, I need my circumstances to line up. And what you need to understand is God may be using those ordinary circumstances to get you in the perfect position. So start praying in 2023, Lord, I need to be in the right position. I need to be looking at the right things, thinking about the right things. I need my position to change, Lord. Even if my circumstances don't change, I need my position too. Amen? All right. What to minimize? What to minimize? Moses makes a whole bunch of statements here that we're going to minimize. And God makes a whole bunch of statements here we're going to maximize. Are you ready? Say amen if you're ready. Here's what we're going to minimize. We're going to minimize contradictory thoughts in your head. This is what the word of God says but this is what we think. All right, let's play out in Moses' case. God comes to Moses in a burning bush. And he, Moses goes over to investigate. He says, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am, Lord. He said, don't come any further. Take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. Okay. Hey, Moses, listen up. I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their affliction. I've seen everything that's happened to them under the hands of the Egyptians. And I am here today to tell you that I'm going to lead them out of Egypt and you are the man to do it. Is that the word of God? That's the word of God, right? I can guarantee you Moses said that was the word of God because he's standing barefoot up against a burning bush and somebody he can't see is talking to him. I've heard the cry of the, of the Israelites in Egypt and I'm going to lead them out and you are going to go and make it happen. 
That's God's statement. Moses' statement is, who am I to do this? God's statement, Moses' statement. God says, I picked you on purpose. Moses said, who am I? I picked you on purpose. Who am I? I picked you on purpose. Who am I? How how long do you argue with God about stuff like that? In 2023, um, for those of you that have to win every argument, for those of you that have to be right all the time, this is a futile argument. Your best future is not arguing with whether you're God's right choice, but accepting that you are God's right choice. Yeah, accepting that you are God's right choice. God says, Moses, I set a bush on fire. I saved you when you were a kid. I set a bush on fire. And now I'm, now I'm right here in front of you telling you you're the man and you're still arguing with me. You have to minimize those contradictory thoughts in our minds. Minimize the contradictory thoughts in our minds. You have to have the scripture the Holy Bible to compare what you're thinking to. Make an effort in 2023 to read God's word. Amen? The last time I checked, he's not not setting fax machines on fire to talk to you in the office. Everybody just went, fax machine? What's that? He's not setting your laptop on fire to get your attention. He's given us the word of God. Amen? So every morning we get it out and we read it And God has an opportunity to show us where our thoughts are contradictory to his. So we do that. Second thing to minimize. Minimize your fear of what other people think. Minimize your fear about what other people think. Now, do not look over at your spouse and go, finally, I don't have to listen. It's not what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what people on Facebook think. It doesn't matter what people on social media think. It does matter what my wife thinks. It does matter what my kids think. It does matter what my mentors think. It does matter what my close friends think. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about everyone else you don't know. It doesn't matter what they think. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it doesn't matter what they think. Come on, tell them like you mean it. Doesn't matter what they think. Moses said, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. He didn't know any of them. He hadn't been around them in 40 years. Think about that. That's like going back to a... A 40-year high school reunion going, they're not going to like me. They're not going to like me. They're not going to. You haven't seen him in 40 years. Who cares? Shrut up in that place and be like, I'm here. It doesn't matter. Because you're going to leave the 40-year reunion and you're going to be like, wow, they were all really old looking. We put so much effort and time and energy and mental capacity into what people that don't have anything to do with the will of God in our life think about us. 
Moses is arguing with God after God said, hey, go to these people and tell them that I am here to deliver them. Moses, go give them really good news. And he goes, oh, they're not going to like it. Moses, you haven't talked to any of these people in 40 years. It's not even the same people. I'm sending you back to people that you're afraid of, that you don't even know. Minimize your fear of what other people think. Third thing to minimize. You got this? Are you writing it down? Minimize the doubt in your capabilities. Third thing, minimize the doubt in your capabilities. If God called you to it, he already believes you're capable to do it. Amen? Listen, if you're a parent, get capable. If you're married, you're capable. Amen? Stop saying, I don't know how to be a good spouse. You can be a good spouse. Amen? Stop saying, I don't know how to be a good parent. You can be a good parent. has nothing to do with anything else but you. Amen? Minimize the doubt in your capabilities. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and tongue. I've been talking to sheep for 40 years, Lord. Some people argue they had a speech impediment. Some people, there's some, there's some scholars that don't believe it was necessarily a speech impediment. Some people believe that he just freaking out about getting in front of him. Like, it's a big deal. You want me to go tell Pharaoh? Like, man, I don't, look at, look at my resume. Nobody's picking me to speak at the Rotary. Nobody's picking me to do a speech. Nobody's picking me. And you want me to go before Pharaoh? I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So come on, send somebody else. Can, can I, um, I got to hurry up here. Listen, can I let you in on something? Because I know we're in a world about self-esteem and all that stuff. You got to feel really good about yourself. You got to, ooh, like I'm, I'm the greatest. I really know I am the greatest. God did not pick you according to your self-esteem. Did you know that? God did not look down and go, man, that's a guy full of himself. That's somebody I can use. No, no, God did not pick you on your self-esteem. God picked you according to the ability that he knew he put in you, whether you realize it or not. So oftentimes he overlooks the pompous people to pick people who have no confidence. But when he picks you, don't act like somebody with no confidence. That's the trick. Just because your resume doesn't match up, just because it doesn't look like your skill set matches up, when he picks you, if he sets your life on fire in order to tell you he's got something great to do for you to do, don't go, oh man, I'm not going to be good at that. He already knows. He already knows what you're capable of. He saved you for it. All right, stand to your feet. We're going to go over some stuff to maximize here. Maximize obedience. Oh. What would God rather have, worship or obedience? God, at the end of the day, was asking Moses to be obedient. You know what it's hard to do? It's hard to be obedient when you're debating whether you're the right person or not. 
God's asking him to be obedient. That's all. He was saying, I picked you. I want you to go and do this. Stop arguing with me. Just be obedient, Moses. And every time Moses was obedient, God blessed him. Every time he was disobedient, it didn't turn out well. If you want the blessing of God to reside in your life today, be obedient to his word. I know that's old school preaching, but at some point in time, we got to get down to place because here's what happens. We disobey and then we worship. We're like, oh God, oh God, uh, you know what? I didn't mean it. I should have done the right thing. Forgive me, forgive me. And then we go back. Then we disobey again. They're like, oh God, oh God. God's like, hey, just do it. Just, just get it right. I want you to obey me. I want you to do what I asked you to do. It's not that he doesn't want us to worship him, but he doesn't want this back and forth of like, well, we, we didn't listen to him and now we worship. We didn't listen to him, now we worship. No, he's saying, Moses, listen to me. I picked you. Do it. Second thing, maximize his presence. God promised him over and over and over again that he would be with him and the people. In verse 10, come, I will send you. In verse 12, he said of chapter 3, but I will be with you. In verse 12 of chapter 4, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He's saying, listen, go, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You're not going to be alone. I'm not sending you out as, with, without an instruction manual. I'm not sending you out without my presence. I'm going to be with you the whole time. Take heart in that, Moses. I know you've got this self-esteem thing. I know you don't think you're, you can do it. I will be with you. Maximize that in your life. When you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, he is with me. No matter what happens today, he's with me. Look at your neighbor. Tell him he's with me. Tell him like you mean it. Then the last thing to maximize is this. Maximize his power and strength, not your own. If you read through this story, all the heavy lifting was to be done by God, not Moses. You realize that? All the heavy lifting was to be done by God. God said, you go tell him, I'll do the miracle. You go, if he doesn't listen, tell him again, I'll do another miracle. If you don't listen, tell him again, I'll do another miracle. Tell him again, I'll do another miracle. Moses wasn't sitting down calculating how to turn the Nile River red. He was just had to be obedient. And when he was obedient, God's power showed up in the middle. Moses capitalized on the power of God that he'd been promised. Hey, listen, I'll be there for you and I'll do it. Verse 8, and I have come down to deliver them. I have come down to deliver them. Verse, here he says again, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you out. Verse 19, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. Listen, when you obey him this year, 2023, when you... When you realize his presence in your life every day and you lean on his power, this will be a different year than you've ever experienced. He's positioned you for it already at the beginning of the year. Step into that thing that he's asked you to do. Step into that thing he wants you, that he's called you for, that he's set you apart for. And maximize those things in your life. Put those other things away and maximize those things in your life and see where he takes you. Because at the end of the day, Moses did lead them out of Egypt. It did happen, just like he said. 
thankful for that. Amen. Come on, all across the room, Lord, we pray to you this morning. We pray to you that you help us maximize those things in our lives. God, that we'd be obedient to your word. That we that we take advantage of your presence. You are always with us. And Lord, we realize that you are doing the heavy lifting. You defeat the enemy. You make a way where there seems to be none. You lead and direct us. You do the miracle. Lord, we just pray that we'd have the strength to walk in your path. Lord, fulfill your calling in our life this year. Do in us, Lord, what you will. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's start off the new year well.